Hello and bienvenue to The Entrepreneurs here on Monocle Radio, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. Today's program is all about language learning. First, we'll meet the erudite CEO of the world's best-selling language learning platform to hear how the brand's embracing new technologies. When OpenAI came out, we actually sat down and said, okay, is this going to render learning obsolete altogether? And very quickly you realize that language learning is actually it's, it's skill building. And from digital learning, we'll move to the physical classroom as we meet the co-founder of an English language school in Ukraine who's passionate about the power of communication as a tool for business leaders in her country. We can be ambassadors of our country on the international arena and introduce Ukrainian businesses all over the world. This is The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. Babbel is the world's first language learning app and now the best-selling such platform. It currently offers courses in 14 languages. The company was founded by four friends in Berlin in 2007 and now employs more than 750 people in the German capital and in New York City. Arna Shepke joined the company in 2015 and after helping the brand grow to new heights, took the reins as CEO. Honor is continuing to lead the company through a fast-evolving tech and digital environment. Just recently, Babbel acquired the language learning browser extension Toucan. Honor Shepka, welcome to Monocle Radio. Thank you, Tom. Now, we'll be conducting the interview in English. I know you also speak German, obviously, also French, and a little Spanish. I sense you're being modest about the latter. I'd like to start, though, Honor, by asking you a bit about this advanced internship uh, that I've read that you've said you did within the business when you became CEO. That's an interesting strategy. I like the sound of it. Tell me a bit more about it. Yeah, I think I wanted to prepare for the CEO role. First time I'm doing a CEO role, so I, I knew that I didn't know how to how to do it. And I've now learned that nothing really prepares you for it anyways. <laughs> Whether you become the CFO track, COO track, or CMO track, it really doesn't matter. And it was driven by curiosity and driven by wanting to understand how the businesses really run and across all parts. And it, it was a fantastic learning opportunity, not just because I finally understood how things work end to end. And it helps me when I make decisions nowadays that I understand the ramifications and the follow-on effects of whatever I, I decide. I think that's one. And I think the second big one is just appreciating what everyone does around you. So I can only recommend it. We now try to do many versions of that for every executive who joins the team. And obviously I had other learning methods as well, but that was by far the most impactful. Interesting. I think there's a few CEOs who would definitely go for it and some I can think of, I won't name them, who, who, I, certainly, who I certainly wouldn't honor, but less about, less about them. Let's talk a bit about Babel then. 15 years old this year, I think. And it's kind of amazing if you think about the way that people engage with app-based learning or with language apps, the idea that they engage so readily with those things. We go back 15 years, it's no time at all, but it's an eternity in that evolution. It's pretty amazing how much Babel has changed. I guess my question would be, how much of it has stayed very true to the original founding principle and how much by circumstance, pandemic, whatever, has changed along the way? Because in some ways, it, it still is very true to the basic, very fundamental idea. Maybe all businesses are like that. But tell me a bit about how you interpret that 15 years. The product and the business have pivoted multiple times. And I think for, I'm not a founder, but for sure the early days were <laughs> even more pivot heavy. We didn't invent language learning. So I think that's why it might seem 
like Babel is still true to the founding original, we invented online language learning. We were the first company and the first product out there that actually allowed you to learn a language online with modern digital methods. 15 years ago, 16 years ago, that's still the time of books and CD-ROMs. Some of us might still have one of those tombstones standing in our bookshelf or hidden away in a box somewhere, never opened still in the original wrapper. So we turned a whole industry, a whole learning journey online. And that's still true. We went through the, the app age. So we became the first language learning app available. And now there's I don't know, hundreds of apps to learn languages in the, in the app store. And we were just very happy that we're known to be the quality leader in the space that actually gets you learning, that actually gets you conversational. So if ever you want to go from one to two languages, give us a ring, download the app and start learning away. And what we're now doing is taking the next step and moving from self-study to what we call blended learning. So mixing learning methods like the self-study app where you learn something new on your own time, reviewed at the right intervals to practicing, actually producing speech and conversation with a live environment or you know, a podcast environment where you're listening passively and you can take it on the on the go, on the move. So ever evolving, but always true to we actually want to get you speaking. We actually want to get you conversational. And that's interesting because I guess a lot of, you know, if you read articles about what you guys do or hear from yourself or other members of the team, that it's often a topic of conversation, this idea about app-based learning superseding or, or replacing classroom-based. But that's a bit of a misnomer, isn't it? Because it's it's a complement to established learning practices. And indeed, the best of each of those can make each of them respectively better. They're not in opposition. I think it's important to underscore that. Yeah, absolutely. We have hundreds of live teachers or tutors on the Babel Live platform. We strongly believe there's always a role for the human being to play in the in the learning journey. People coming to Babel are not in it just to dabble around with the language and play around a bit or just do it to practice a bit. These are learners who actually want to learn, who actually want to have a conversation in real life, a romantic dinner table conversation, to be able to crack a joke in another language, to be yourself in another language. So we're talking about serious learning ambitions and learning goals, and that's why we take learning very seriously and, and we focus all of our energy on the on the learning outcomes. And I personally had an aha moment sitting in living rooms across the world of, of Babel learners who allowed us to, to or allowed me to speak to them and realize that, oh, Babel is one part of their language learning system that they've created for themselves. We're the app, and then they have a, a teacher that they go to every Thursday afternoon, and then they watch you know, YouTube videos, and they watch shows on Netflix, and they surround themselves with a, more of an ecosystem of learning methods. And that's that's how we ended up saying, in order to truly fulfill our purpose and what we want to achieve for our learners as a, as a company, we, we need to become the digital version of blended learning, so blending different um, learning methods together. And what that solves is learners don't have to go around and chase, okay, when is the right time to go to a class? When should I start reading? When should I start? Like, when am I ready to, to watch movies? We can help you and move you along and personalize that journey for you because we've got both the tech skills and the didactics prowess to, to go with it. Mm, really interesting. Let me talk a bit about the economics of it as well because it's been pretty su successful throughout its lifetime. There's lots of big digital companies or app-based companies who, you know, profit is, that remains fantasy, you know, a decade into the journey. Babel's always been quite different, and it's kind of made a subs-based model work pretty consistently. I was going to say pretty easily. I'm sure it's not been easy, and there's lots of, lots of paddling beneath the surface. But tell me a bit about that, because there are lots of brands, different sectors, 
perennially struggle to make that something that works. And yet Babel has made it seem easy. Is there a reason behind that? We're very good at hiding the difficulties of making it work. <laughs> no, but I think jokes aside, the I think one of the really important parts is that the subscription model is very attuned to how learners will perceive their learning journey, right? Those learners who actually come to us, which I would call more motivated learners, they know it's not going to be a two-week thing. It's going to be a journey. It's going to take time. You're going to put effort into it. You're going to make mistakes. There will also be the odd situation where you make a fool of yourself. That will happen. And yes, you need to invest a bit of money. And then the subscription actually makes sense because you know you're going to partner with Babbel for the next 6 to 12 to 24 months. And you find it easier to commit to a, lo a longer journey. And you make sure that our incentive is also your incentive as a as a learner, right? So I think that's that's important as as backdrop. Yes, we started with subscriptions, I think back in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. There's even a TechCrunch article that basically says it's Babel and the Wall Street English and it's just never going to work. So we, yes, we have made it work. And yes, it does seem easy from the outside. But for sure, there's a, a whole team at, at Babel which, which specializes in making sure that the learner motivation and, and incentive to, to stay on their learning journey for longer and our commercial incentive is aligned. And you, you mentioned this idea of this whole learning ecosystem earlier. And I know you're, if not evangelical about it, you're enthusiastic talking about it. How do you ensure that you can develop something like that, which relies on other stakeholders, third parties, potentially sort of rivals almost? And why are you confident that that will still work, even if you don't have the control over all those different moving parts? Yeah, I think not, not having the ambition or even the illusion of control <laughs> is maybe a good starting point. We prepare our learners for out-of-the-app success. Right? Language learning success does not happen with your streak or scoring a 10 out of 10 on the Babel course. It happens when you actually have that conversation that you wanted to have, when your romantic dinner actually works and you know, is successful. Like that, that, to me, is success, and that always happens outside of the app. So we prepare you for a real-life situation, which means that we don't have the ambition or illusion that we can cover your whole life and be part of your whole life. Like We, we will not listen into that dinner table conversation, promised. Never, never, never. What we will do is to get you as prepared as possible, as confident as possible, as savvy in terms of cultural differences as possible. That's what we, how we see our job. So, yeah, we will integrate more podcasts and more videos and we'll make sure that there is a, a good spectrum of learning methods from self-study. You learn on your own time, in your own space. It's a safe space. No one judges you, right? It's just you and your machine. And then the live class is the opposite, where there is a teacher and maybe even other students. So all full peer pressure, spontaneous pressure to produce speech, very different part of that same spectrum. And then there's, you know, we're working on the, the in-between stimuli. And what's just really important, and that's proven academically, blended learning is more effective and you learn more and, and faster if you use different stimuli, is that we help you navigate which stimulus actually makes sense right now for you and for your learning journey. Because we we never really learn how to learn a language, if you think about it. You're, you're gifted your mother tongue, luckily. I don't remember, at least. Then in school, your teachers decide, your parents might send you on a trip. Your first employer might decide to pay for a course. And then a lot of our learners are end up in their mid-twins and it's the first time in their life they're making an active decision to learn a language so we never really learn how to do it i sometimes joke here you know how to buy a car before you know how to learn a language on that point about language and culture and that immersion and that understanding how do you and your colleagues go about ensuring that you keep the learning the apps anchored in 
the currency of now and cultural happenings. You used the word nuance, I think, earlier, and it's so important, so difficult to judge objectively. Tell me a bit about that process, because it must be really interesting. Yes, I think there's two parts of it, right? One is creating new content, whether that's new courses or specific courses for certain topics or new podcasts or new material for live classes. So the new material generation, we, we always work in language pairs. So we work from your mother tongue to the language that you want to learn, which is just the best way to learn. Throwing yourself into the new language from day one, you don't speak a word of Italian, you throw yourself into Italian. There are better ways to learn and faster ways to learn because your brain needs some form of connection and some form of, I need to put the new knowledge somewhere, otherwise it just whizzes by. So it's important that we, we start there. We handcraft all of our content through experts, or at least used to do that in the past, mainly to ensure that it's designed to get you learning successfully, to reach your, your learning goal. And it's always embedded in a conversation. So the whole course is designed to culminate in a full conversation between two human beings and you get the full breath. Um, and you might see grammatical concepts or vocab that you've never seen before, but you understand because you understand the, the conversational environment. And that, with words, imagery, and little tips here and there, allows us to not just teach you the words and the grammar, but also cultural sensitivity, because usually languages are tied to one or two or three cultural environments. So it's important that you understand those nuances because they're, you know, in the end, we need to also give you communication techniques to get you confident in your conversation. So that's, that's how it's done. I said used to because obviously a lot of that is now more tech-enabled and we use data to optimize our courses on a, on a daily basis. One of the big advantages to Let's say a publisher who publishes a book, you need to distribute it, you need to sell it, it needs to be used. And then maybe two years later, you get a call in your customer service that, hey, there's a typo on page 12. We see that straight away because there's a funny drop-off or error rate um, for one of the exercises and we fix it two minutes later because one of the alarm bells goes off. So we, we can optimize way faster based on the usage and whether it's working for you or not. And we can now even optimize towards is it helping you achieve your learning goal, which allows us to personalize the journey a lot more. And then in the future, obviously, we can use techniques like AI to generate more of the content and then we QA it rather than having to create it ourselves. So that's how we, we evolve. Well, yeah, and this is kind of elephant in the room. I was going to ask you about AI because half the conversations I have are very pragmatic and people say, look, AI is an efficiency generator. It delivers efficiencies and that means that things become cheaper and more accessible and it's broadly positive. Then there's the other kind of school of thought who say, you know, oh, our AI overlords are going to take over and all the rest of it. And I imagine most businesses, it's somewhere between the, the two. You've already explained there on a, you know, there's a clear case study where you can see efficiencies, cost savings, the pace at which things can happen. But I guess some observers from without might say, but look, language, linguistic AI has the potential to render it impossible for Bubble to, to keep pace or certainly to make it obsolete. You're smiling knowingly. I sense you've fended this off before. But explain why that is not the case and why Babel will be strengthened by AI but not threatened by it. I think, first of all, we're a tech company. So we did see AI coming and we've been working with different machine learnings and algorithm um, you know, experts for quite a while. I think if you look at, for example, our speech recognition, it's already AI-based. We have to overlay the, the incumbent speech systems that are on iOS or, or Android, for example, because... They're trained to, to understand and guess what you're trying to say. Whereas in language learning, you want the opposite. You actually want feedback 
what you're not doing right or what you're doing right. So you want you want more precision and you don't want the AI to guess what you're trying to say. So we, we have to overlay theirs with ours and that obviously is all AI basically. One example, we have AI generated content that actually is fed to inactive users who stop their learning journey to make sure that they come back to learning. And it's highly personalized and it's basically generated for your learning goal. So we we already use it. We've been working on it for a while. We very purposefully did not jump to the front of the queue and try to beat the open AIs of the world to the LLM. I think the large models, there's three, four players Let's see who wins. Leave them, leave them to duke um, it out. Leave them, leave them to duke <laughs> yeah. it out. And then I think we need to figure out where to build our own intelligence. And that's most likely going to be in which type of learning activity makes sense for you and your learning goal when and how do we generate more relevant content for you to help you along the journey. And it's not efficiency. It's actually efficacy. So mm. really trying to be more relevant in the content that we, we feed you. Maybe Maybe more news relevant more daily content maybe more content in your field of passion or hobby or of interest just something that keeps you motivated better like there will be different angles that would just be too we would be too slow to deliver it otherwise it would be too complex that now now actually is is enabled i did smile a bit because obviously the ai question i get asked that quite a quite a lot what we actually worked on quite a bit when OpenAI came out was, or ChatGPT came out in December, we actually sat down and said, okay, is this going to render learning obsolete altogether? And very quickly you realize that, no, but language learning is actually, it's, it's skill building, right? You, we're learning how to do something on our own. Like you, you want to speak with another human being. Going back to that romantic dinner table conversation, no, I don't want to have a phone between me and whoever is on the other side of the, the table. And until we don't want that phone to be in between, we will learn the language, whether before or after that dinner. So I think as long as language is used as human-to-human interaction, and as long as there is the human-to-human interaction runs way deeper than anything that's translated or um, transcreated by technology, you will learn languages. And that's where our part of the language learning business is not going away, because we actually serve customers who want to go further than just play around with languages. There are plenty of transactional and just task completion use cases, which in my mind had gone away already before. So I'm surprised about the surprise, but asking for directions or giving directions to a cab driver, I think you you don't need to learn language for that. I think that's a very good answer. And I think it's interesting that that distinction between efficacy, efficacious solutions and just efficiency is important. That's why you're the CEO and I see you're a details guy. Tell me about what's next, because presumably one of the things that must be delightful and maybe annoying in equal measure, I don't know, is if people come up to you and say, hang on a minute, when's, you know, you need to offer a course in X and Y and Z language. Remind us exactly what's on offer at the moment. Where next? How quick is it? Presumably it's quite complicated to develop. So what does the forward planning in terms of adding whole new languages or whole other facets of the business what does that look like first of all we need to get the blended learning right and personalize the the journey for our learners to make sure that we make the best of what Babel can offer for your learning goal and help you achieve that will we create new languages over time yes is it super difficult actually no we work in pairs so that's relatively complex but we, for example, created free courses for displaced Ukrainians who were displaced by the war to learn German, English, and, and Polish. 
more than 100 million Ukrainians are, are learning with those courses right now and very proud that we were able to help. That was a matter of a few weeks. So, yeah, that will come. The white spaces lie mainly in Asia. That's also obvious. And we're also looking at AI-based solutions and, and other tech-based solutions to cover the in-between, the, the live tutor and the app. What is important is to make the best of these learning methods, really empowering the teacher to be at their best by giving them more intelligence, by using AI to help the teachers give more relevant feedback, by stripping the repetitive stuff out of the classroom, right? Our, our teachers don't have to do grammar and vocab. They don't, because we do that in the app. So you can focus on the conversation, on communication techniques, on culture, on the group dynamics. So it's it's a lot more fun to teach with Babbel as a teacher. And it's also more fun as a student because you don't get bombarded with the homework. That was Anna Shepka, the CEO of Babbel. And you can learn more about the brand by heading to babbel.com. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. Katerina Hudik is the co-founder of the Communicative Language Academy, an English language learning centre based in Western Ukraine. Katerina holds a PhD in linguistics, is a mentor, and is the co-founder of United for Ukraine, an NGO working with international donors and leaders. Katerina is a passionate believer in the value of good communication. She told me more about that and how she and the CLA team help Ukrainian business leaders expand internationally thanks to their command of English. To talk about the communication, it is the core thing and the core skill that every person should uh, develop on a regular basis during the whole life. Because since the full-scale invasion started, a lot of business leaders, they were struggling and suffering that uh, they had problems because they were running and launching businesses and uh, the projects in Ukraine. They were thinking of uh, providing the international and moving to the international level. So the first thing was that they had the lack of communication skills in uh, English. And that was the thing that we were helping with. And the business communication and the communication in particular, it's the most important thing because we can share we can be ambassadors of our country on the international arena and introduce Ukrainian businesses uh, all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, as you say, the, the conflict, the invasion by Russia has brought new focus to that idea. But explain to me how even before that, proficiency in communication, proficiency in speaking English in particular, you've always considered that to be of fundamental importance for professional people, for business leaders, as you say. Why is that such uh, an important skill? Is it just because English remains the preeminent language in a sort of global context? And tell us why that was the case even before the war brought this additional focus. My roots are from the education and I am the educator for the last 15 years. I've been uh, cooperating with the university, being a professor at the university and cooperating with the British Council Ukraine and uh, being the trainer of teachers and providing the educational services. English is the most predominant language all over the world. It is, uh, it is opening the gates to the international arena and it is one of the most important things that we can do on our own and uh, introduce us and our country on the international arena. Well, yeah, let me ask you a bit about 
your journey in co-founding the Communicative Language Academy, what were the biggest challenges for you and your co-founders, Katrina, if we go back to the start of that journey, in actually getting that off the ground? Oh, thank you very much. Working at the university and uh, working with the international companies, I uh, found out that I would like to work on my own and to start running a business. And that was probably the tough time at the very beginning because I was an educator and I didn't have the uh, business background. So I was learning through doing. And we um, and my partner, we've uh, opened a school, offline school. I was um, like striving to provide the changes and to change the attitude to the language because, you know, even from my childhood, uh, English was learning as a subject. We were learning it as a subject, but not as the means of communication. That's why we've decided to call our educational space Communicative Language Academy. We were growing for five years. We faced a lot of challenges, the COVID and then the uh, the war. And all of these challenges, they didn't, they didn't break us. They just uh, made us braver and faster in uh, making decisions and uh, more flexible in finding the solutions to the uh, problematic situations. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder, you've got such a, a range of interests and commitments, Katrina. It's intriguing to me. You have all of the roles and responsibilities, some of which you've outlined, but you do lots of community outreach, offering mentorships, across the piece, both to help the wider business community, but youth focused, particularly, of course, for children and young people who are suffering perhaps more than anybody during the conflict. How do you balance all of those different roles and responsibilities? That must require some entrepreneurial vigor of its own just to keep on top of everything. It is about my mission and it is about my inner passion. What is very important in the business world, uh, it is to create an opportunity for the development. It is the most important thing in my life. In a business, in a Communicative Language Academy, we have the organizational structure and we have the CEO of the company who is running and uh, we are cooperating on behalf of it. And also being a co-founder of non-governmental organization, we are creating the social projects and these social projects are not just uh, creating on the spot, these are about the needs uh, that we face on a regular basis. For example, how we created the uh, project United Business Community, it was back in 2022 when my friends, as I mentioned, were calling to me to help uh, to connect with the partners, future partners or potential partners from overseas. They were asking for help uh, to build up the communicative or the communication strategies and how to communicate and network in English. And we were helping. And then uh, we're supported by the embassy of the United States of America who supported me as a uh, alumni from the program which I won back in 2018 of International Leadership Program. And we created such a project where we were helping our business leaders from all over Ukraine. We were providing the educational services in English and also we were linking the business leaders with the mentors from overseas, from the US, from Canada, from Australia. 
who were sharing their expertise in the different fields. It was the project of the United Business Community, which is really, really important nowadays. Still, our business leaders are getting braver and braver to connect with the international community of the business owners. And the other project, which is called the Youth Hub, we are helping children of the special educational needs and who are suffering from trauma, who were displaced from the east part of Ukraine to the west part of Ukraine, where we are right now. We are providing educational services for the children who are in need. Uh, we are providing maths, logics, English, German, Ukrainian. Also, we provide different field trips. We provide different excursions and uh, some nature studies, arts and crafts. We are providing the educational program for children. And as well, we are providing the teacher trainings for teachers of the west part of Ukraine from Chernivetska Oblast. Um, these children are attending schools, but the teachers who are working with such children, we are providing the professional development support together with our partners from the American Embassy and from the the grant organizers um, and together with the American side. And we are helping and this project is of a great success because we've already cooperated with uh, uh, 45 children who were innerly displaced uh, from the east uh, part of Ukraine. Yeah, I want to talk to you perhaps finally, Katrina, about resilience. And I know that there's well, actually, I know there's a, a quote from our own Winston Churchill that you take a great deal of inspiration from. Perhaps you can tell us what that is and why and how that speaks so readily to your recent experiences. I mean, in a sense, it's pretty obvious you've faced up and fronted up to so many extraordinary challenges and seemingly managed to meet them with alacrity. But tell us a bit about what that quote is and why that really means so much to you. This is one of my favorite quotes by Winston Churchill. When you face the problem, success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And this is about me and this is about what we do here in different projects, in the business and social projects, because in every single stage of the development, we face the failures and the most important, it is the attitude to it. Failure, it is just first attempt in learning something. I just changed the attitude to it because on a regular basis, we are facing the fails, but only our attitude uh, that we can change. We can't change the situation, but we can change the attitude to it. That was Katerina Hudik, the co-founder of the Communicative Language Academy. You can learn more about Katerina and her colleagues' work by heading to cla-english.com. And that's all for this episode of The Entrepreneurs. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out for Eureka every Friday. The programme was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Jack Dewars. You can listen again and find out more about the show at monocle.com or you can follow us and browse the archive via your preferred podcast platform. To contact the team, write to Laura. Email her on lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs.